Thank you for tuning into this webinar, Don't Be a Statistic, How to Manage Your Organization's Risk. This webinar is hosted by AGH University, presented by AGH. Today's speaker is Cindy McSwain. Cindy leads AGH's Outsourcing Services Group. Her team provides payroll, accounting, funds disbursement, controller, and other financial outsourcing services to numerous clients throughout the Midwest. Prior to directing the outsourcing group, Cindy served AGH's assurance clients for 10 years, working with a wide range of middle market, closely held, and family-owned clients. Risk management goes beyond data breaches in the IT department, starts at the top, and touches every process in an organization. Some risks require more management than others, and in this webinar, Cindy will discuss how to identify, measure, prioritize, and mitigate risks throughout your organization, beginning, begin managing those risks, and improving your organization's resiliency and decision-making. Well, thank you for joining us today, and um, I do appreciate you taking an hour out of your day to, to join me uh, through this presentation. I want to start out with a quote from Gary Cohn, who is the former president of the Economic Council, as well as the former president and CEO of Goldman Sachs. He says, if you don't invest in risk management, it doesn't matter what business you're in, it's a risky business. This is the reason that each of us are joining this webinar today is because we want to avoid being uh, in a risky business as much as possible. And I see looking through the, the list today that we've got a diverse audience, um, includes some from very small organizations, those with less than 20 employees, to some with very large organizations, um, like over 10,000 employees. So we've got a, a wide group with us today. As far as industry sectors, we range from aerospace to governments, nonprofits, and banking, and most everything in between there. And it looks like uh, many in our group today are from an accounting or an internal audit background, but we also have some from the human resource and the consulting world. So uh, keep in mind that in every industry, every organization, and every role within an organization, we're going to look at risk differently. So I'm going to try to, to put something in there a little bit for everybody. Now, many times the words risk management, uh, that makes us think about insurance or technology and data breaches. And as Mike mentioned in his introduction to this presentation, risk management really involves so much more. So for the next hour, we're going to focus on looking at risks across the entire organization. And you may be familiar with terms like enterprise risk management or organizational risk management. Both of those refer to uh, looking at the entire organization and not just one specific area. So my goal today is to take you on a journey through the various areas that risks are lurking throughout your organization and then how to uh, manage them. So our objectives today, we want to understand the definition of organizational risk. We then want to go through and identify the types of business risks facing your organization. That's where I'm going to spend the bulk of my time is just giving you um, things to think about, thought provokers, things where to look, items to think about. And then lastly, I'm going to um, close with learning how, you know, different methodologies uh, to manage those risks and to how to, to go about it. So as Mike mentioned up front, uh, we have polling questions. This is the first one out of our four. Um, so please, we're going to leave this open for just a little bit, and then we'll post the results as soon as we close that poll. But the first question is, risk management is only important for what type of, of enterprise? Publicly traded, public sector, and by public sector, I mean municipalities, schools, nonprofits, small organizations with limited controls, or is it important for all organizations? I'm going to give you a a little bit here to answer that, and then uh, Mike will, will close that poll, and like I said, it will be uh, posted up on the screen so that we can kind of see. And again, um, you know, we've, we've got a diverse audience today, so we'll see what this looks like. All right, Mike, hopefully we've got a good um, response in. So let's look at those poll results. Um, wow, 100% said all organizations, and I would tend to agree with that. Um, even the very smallest of small have, have risks and sometimes have even uh, bigger risks than what they think about. Okay, let me move my slide here. 
So let's start with just understanding the definition of organizational risk and what that is. So first off, let's talk about a couple of underlying principles. So first, every organization, whether it's a not-for-profit for or not-for-profit, every organization exists to realize value for its stakeholders. So let's think about that for a second and determine who the stakeholders are in each of our organizations. So stakeholders in the public sector, like governments and nonprofits, they're the public, the taxpayers or the donors. Stakeholders of publicly held companies are the actual stockholders and stakeholders of private, privately held organizations uh, running the spectrum from the very largest to the very small sole proprietors are actually the owners um, as well, similar to the public. All organizations want to realize value for their stakeholders, right? The only difference is who those stakeholders might be. Secondly, an underlying principle is that value is created, preserved, or eroded by management or governance decisions in all activities. So this includes setting strategy to operating the organization on a day-to-day -day basis. This also includes uh, decisions regarding risk. So now that we've talked about those underlying principles, what is organization or enterprise risk? It's the future possibility that might prevent you from achieving one of your business goals. Organizational risk is anything lurking out there that threatens the ability to generate revenues or profits at the target levels that you've set. Or organizational risk is something that can threaten an organization's entire sustainability. So basically, it's anything that is a threat to your organization. There's multiple frameworks out there for enterprise or organizational risk management, and many of these were developed or elevated by public companies and the financial sector. However, these, these same frameworks or some variant thereof are applicable to all organizations. So maybe you've heard of... Um, the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002. That, that's an act that required U.S. publicly trade companies to utilize the control framework in their internal control assessments. Many of those opted for what's called the COSO framework, or C-O-S-O. -O. That's an acronym. I'm going to throw a bunch of acronyms at you here now, but uh, COSO is an acronym for the Committee of Sponsoring Organizations of the Treadway Commission. That's a joint initiative to combat corporate fraud basically. It was established uh, by the U.S. in the U.S. by five different private sector organizations dedicated to guide executive management and government entities um, on re relevant aspects of organizational governance, business ethics, internal control, enterprise risk management, fraud, financial reporting. COSO has established a common internal control model against which companies and organizations can assess their uh, control systems. COSO, I, I mentioned a minute ago that it was um, set up by five pro private sector organizations. Uh, that includes the Institute of Management Accountants, the American Accounting Association, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, the Institute of Internal Auditors, Auditors, excuse me, and Financial Executives International or FEI. Um, so that's one that's out there. Excuse me, went too fast. Um, another one, ISO 31000 and 31010. Those are international standards on risk management. ASACA, another acronym that stands for the Information System Audit and Control Association. They have a framework dedicated specifically to information technology risks. Um, one of those is COBIT. That stands for Control Objectives for Information and Related Technologies. So there's, there's a bunch of frameworks out there. My presentation today is not going to focus on any one particular framework. Rather, we're going to kind of discuss the various components, and those are similar throughout the different frameworks. And this slide here represents the typical risk cycle. So we're going to discuss these areas in further detail as we go. But first, we need to, up there at the top in the blue, we need to identify what are various areas of risk that are lying out there. We need to look throughout the entire organization. 
secondly, we have to assess those risks. So what could possibly happen? How frequently? What's the potential cost? Next, we're going to evaluate. Uh, what's your appetite for risk? And we need to evaluate. We're going to talk about risk, benefit, reward type of things. Um, next there in the purple, you know, we need to look at what are our controls? In other words, how do we handle or manage the risks? Um, I'm going to talk about four different ways to manage those risks. One is avoidance, where we're going to eliminate the risk entirely, or maybe we're going to withdraw from something. Uh, we could reduce our risks. We can go out and optimize the situation or mitigate it, um, make it less risky than what it was. Uh, we can transfer our risks. We can either outsource it. Uh, we can insure it. That's when we start thinking about um, the insurance products that are out there. Or lastly, we can retain that risk. We can merely accept it and budget for it. Again, it kind of depends on what our appetite for risk is. Lastly, in the yellow there, we have to continuously monitor our risk management program. We have to test and we have to review and we have to measure our performance. And then we start that entire cycle all over again because new risks may pop up. It's important to remember that this entire process centers around the organization's culture. This means that the attitudes towards risk must start at the very top and they have to permeate throughout the entire organization. So this really requires dedicated direction and action at the very top by the governing body and communication, review, and action throughout. This is not a one-man show. This is not a one-person thing. Let's move now into our uh, second polling question. And uh, I want to know what area poses the greatest risk when we're looking across our organization. Um, is that information technology? Is it the financial area, compliance? Is it all of the above or does it depend on my unique situation? I think we're going to get a little bit more um, diversity in the answers to this poll. And I, um, I do see that as these are kind of coming in. Um, I will say that there's risk in all of these areas, um, but, you know, what, what poses the greatest risk for you? Okay, it looks like we've got about everybody being voted here. So, um, Mike, I think, is displaying that now. Um, again, a little bit of diversity there. A little less than half say all of the above. A little less than half say it depends on my unique situation. Uh, there's a fair share of you out there, though, that are saying it hits in the information technology area, and um, there is no wrong answer to this. Um, and 4% of you are saying in the compliance area. I'm actually, as a CPA, kind of surprised nobody said anything about in the financial area, but it really does hit across all of those. And truly, it depends on, on your situation. Thank you for responding to that. That gives me a little idea of where my audience is at as well. So now let's concentrate on how to find your risks. Um, it could be a big task. If you know, if you're an HR person, you're pretty familiar with your area. But what about the rest of the organization? Or if you're a financial person, um, again, you can. It's easier said than done um, across the organization as a whole. Oftentimes, I hear people say they don't really know what is meant by organizational risk, or they don't think it pertains to their particular department, division, area of responsibility. Um, so again, my goal today is to kind of get you thinking about what types of risk are present, um, whether it's in your organization or whether it's in your area. So I, I usually liken this to going to a medical doctor. So when you go in, a physician is likely to take a health history and perhaps going to run some general lab tests. We all love doing that, right? So why do they do this? They're looking for areas of health risks across your entire physical being. For example, there's numerous risk factors for a stroke. Uh, some factors can be managed or modified, like your weight, diet, exercise, uh, blood pressure, your cholesterol levels. However, there's certain risk factors that you can't change. Um, those are things like your age, your race, your family history. Not only are there risks for stroke, there's also risk factors for, for different things like mental illness, heart disease, pregnancy, childhood diseases, the list goes on and on. Um, to determine these risks, the physician is trained in the, in, 
they're, they're trained and then they an- analyze the various systems, departments, divisions, responsibilities within your body. You know, so those systems are like the respiratory, circulatory, digestive. Um, biology and science was not my favorite, um, but I did learn all those different systems. So really identifying risks in our organization is very similar to this. We have to look in the various systems within our organization, and then we have to analyze the risks that might be in there. So I kind of characterized, and there's, there's all kinds of different buckets or systems out there, but these are the ones I find over and over. Um, so I've characterized these for this presentational purpose as strategic, operational, reputational, financial, compliance, and then other. That's kind of the kitchen sink piece. Um, so we're going to go through each one of these areas in more depth. So let's start with strategic risk. So this is the risk that your organization's overall strategy becomes less effective or less viable. So this can, when that happens, this can lead to the decline of profits or productivity. And again, this can lead to not providing the value to those stakeholders that are out there. So what are some examples? <clears throat> Excuse me. Strategy is the sum of actions that an organization intends to take to achieve their long-term goals. Our strategies are dependent on many pieces. Um, you know, one, for example, is product obsolescence. So do you have a diverse product base? And that can be product or service. Um, or are you concentrated in just one or a few areas? Does your product or your service have a limited life cycle? Um, and again, this, this goes back and forth between the service industry and anybody that's in a product industry. What about new competition? What happens when something new comes along? Or do you have a risk that a competitor might move into your market area? How will that impact your organization's overall goals? What about technology disruption? Um, man, I tell you, it, it, technology is here to stay, and it's not going to change, and it's going to become a bigger and bigger uh, disruptor. How dependent are you or your organization upon technology for the product or the service that you sell? How about your production processes or your billing processes? You know, now we've got the availability of 3D printers out there. Um, and a whole onset of automation uh, processes that used to be historically manned. And then we have the human resource needs. Finding talent today is one of the most significant issues facing all businesses in all organizations. Um, no matter what I read, no matter who I talk to, that is always in the top three of their challenges that are facing them, finding and talent, finding, finding talent. So what about the loss of a key employee? How do we go out and recruit top, te- top talent? And better yet, how do we retain them? How do we keep them so we don't have to keep going through that cycle? How does the talent pool impact our overall top strategy? And what do we need to do now to make sure that we have the talent that we need for the future. So again, just some things to kind of think about. Another category or bucket of organizational risk is operational. This is a big one. They're all pretty big ones actually. Uh, But operational risk is the risk of inadequate or failed internal processes and procedures, systems, and policies. Um, this isn't going to focus just on in the financial area, but it, it, it's throughout the organization. So processes are, are the first thing that I have here on my example. So processes should be documented and followed without exception. This helps when there's turnover or backup personnel are used. Uh, training should be provided regarding processes and procedures. And, and I see this over and over in practice, but um, organizations can have solid processes, but failures still happen if they're not followed. And why are they not followed? Either it's not communicated enough 
about the importance of that process and, and how we have to follow them. Maybe somebody hasn't been trained, um, you know, but over and over again, I, I'm seeing that, that people have processes, but it's a, it's a human error or a human um, failure to follow that process. Enough preaching. Um, the next one that I have is uh, information or data uh, phishing, cyber breach type of issues. How are you as an organization protecting not only your data, but the data that's related to your customers and your suppliers and your employees? Uh, you know, we talk about email phishing. I don't know about you guys, but my email box is slammed every single day, including now on the weekends, with spam and phishing attempts. And many of these look legitimate at first glance, and they're really attempting to click on that link. I mean, the, the folk have gotten so good out there that, you know, they're monitoring how I speak and who I deal with and, you know, what traffic I'm getting in from what client. And they make it look like something that um, is something legitimate. So do you know, you know, are, are you training your, your folk on email phishing and, and all the things that are out there? Um, what about internal or external hacking? Do you know how secure your information technology systems are? Have you actually tested them? Uh, ransomware is another big one that's been, um, you know, just growing and exploding. That's a type of malicious software that's designed to block access to a computer system until you actually pay a sum of money. We're really seeing an increase in this tactic, and many organizations are just not prepared at the level that they need to be. How about a complete IT failure? What about a loss of a, a drive? Do you have backups in place and are they available? Um, every time I go out to a client, I'm asking, you know, do you have backups? Yep, we back up. And so the next question that comes out of my mouth is, well, how often and where are you keeping them? Oh, you know, at least once a week, maybe once, once a month, maybe once a week. Um, oh, and we just keep them here in the drawer. You know, we got to think past that because um, with the the amount of technology that we use today, backups really should be on a on a daily basis. They need to be stored off site, um, and we need to be testing those to make sure that those backups are good. AGH has actually um, developed an information security survival kit that asks pertinent questions of various levels throughout an organization. It's it's geared just to the IT area. It's meant to be a thought starter to begin thinking about risk. Um, throughout this area. And you can email me or shoot a question um, here through the question chat uh, if you'd like a copy of these survival kits. And, um, you know, they, they've got some at the government's level and some at the management level and kind of throughout different levels. Uh, we've also archived several webinars in this area on our university website. We'll give that to you at the end again, but uh, you can go out to aghuniversity.com and search for archived webinars for information technology. Um, so back to our examples. Let's talk about human, um, example, human error examples. Mistakes happen, but you should really have a good understanding of what kind of mistakes could happen in your organization, how they could happen, and how much they could cost the organization if they do happen. What about theft and fraud from an internal standpoint? What about illness and death? Then what happens to your employee morale? All types of things that have risk throughout your operations. Uh, safety and OSHA. This is an entire topic on its own, but what risks do you have that could affect the safety of your employees, your customers, your neighborhood, um, the environment around you, et cetera? Uh, suppliers. What if you lose a key supplier, even temporarily? Uh, do you have an alternative supplier so that your business uh, can keep moving? We're going to cover topics like internal control systems and fraud under financial risk here in a little bit. Um, it, it can bleed over into the operational risk area as well. One commonly overlooked area is reputational risk. So this is the chance of loss um, of your, you know, resulting of from your strategic goals due to the damage or decline in how the public views you. Again, this, this could be potential risk to uh, not meet the organization's goals. 
So I always like to ask the question, too, uh, what headline do you hope to avoid being a part of? You know, whether that's on the local news, the national news, your local your local newspaper, or even just social media. Reputations can be damaged by actions that are perceived to be dishonest, disrespectful, or incompetent. Um, you know, some examples out there, we've got community activism, political activism. Man, I tell you, I have seen more on my social media lately in, in the political activism area that I'm just ready to get off of social media because it just drains me. Um, you know, what's, what's your perception in the community? Uh, you know, and don't just think about the company. Think about what could the actions of a single employee do? Um, how about your policies on social media and what those employees can do out there? Um, and what about employee actions outside of social media and outside of the organization? Um, you know, it's, it's possible that they can do something that, that can bleed over into the reputation of the organization. Um, actions of the organization include, you know, what about the quality of your product or your service, accounting restatements, it, it, particularly if you're a publicly held company, but, um, you know, what does that do to your reputation and, and an IT breach? That's, you know, one of those headlines that we all hope to avoid being a part of. What about actions of third parties, actions of your vendors or your partners or your affiliates? Um, and again, the overall uh, social responsibility. So again, just some things to think about that um, really could have an impact and, and hurt the organization if it were to happen. So another category, and I think we all think about this one, is financial risk. So this risk is derived from how your organization handles its financial assets. You know, this could be a lack of internal control. Again, we've got webinars out there that address these in more specifics. Um, that could, really, could result in fraud internally or externally. Um, what about the debt load that your organization is carrying? What can that do to you? Um, extension of credit to your customers. Are there policies and procedures in place to monitor customer credit so that we don't just um, go out and sell to anybody because we can sell? We actually have to collect on um on those receivables that are out there. What about your customer diversity or your product or service diversity? Another one that I throw in here is succession plans. You know, do you have a plan in place? And if you do, is it feasible? Is it affordable? And have you re-looked at it since you originally put it into place to see that if it, it can still happen? Another um, category, and it's, this is a significant category, uh, this represents the risk of loss for failure to comply with laws, regulations, contractual terms. And this category varies by industry, but it's present in every single organization. So this is another one that when I go out and talk to business owners, you know, what keeps you up at night and, um, you know, what are one of your challenges? Boy, it's the constant change and the constant increase of having to stay compliant uh, in in everything that they do, uh, it's a it's a real headache for most people. And a lot of times, I also hear, you know, gosh, we don't know what we don't know uh, because there's just so much out there. Um, a lot of times in the compliance area, I, I like to think of this category as uh, alphabet soup. So we've got the IRS and the DOL, we have OSHA and the FDIC, the GAO and the SEC, and the list just goes on and on and on and on. And these guys all have rules and regulations and laws that, you know, that as organizations we're all supposed to abide by. There's a lot. Um, so first off, just take a breath and think about what rules and regulations your organization falls under. Think about it on a federal level, state, local, and internationally if you're dealing on an international level. And then don't forget about, um, you know, included in this are going to be your supplier contracts and your customer contracts, anybody that you've signed a, you know, a, a contract with. Um, got to make sure that, you know, you've got to stay in, in compliance with those. So also think about who are your regulators. Think about the potential fines and penalties, what lawsuits or ramifications of um, even a, a project delay that you have out there. Maybe that, maybe you have that contractually uh, set up. Um, blemishes to your public Im image. Uh, you know, there's 
there's just so much going on out there. Um, from an environmental standpoint, um, you know, many organizations have to look at OSHA and hazardous waste and medical waste. Uh, there's planning that needs to be done and documenting, training, and, and practicing. Uh, a lot of times since I'm in the service industry, <clears throat> you know, that's an area that we don't have to, to worry about all the time. Um, but, you know, a lot of in the, in the medical industry and in the manufacturing industry and the uh, energy industry, that, that's all over the place. Um, another examples are in the health and safety area. Uh, so this is going to include both your employees and your customers. Um, OSHA belongs in this area. Uh, if, you've, if you've got drivers uh, or a, a vehicle fleet, uh, transportation um, all belongs in that area. Human resources, again, that's a, a topic all of its own. But, you know, one of the, the big issues out there are contractors versus employees and how you're categorizing those. You've got wage and hour laws. That's going to include overtime calculations, uh, minimum wage, uh, medical coverage, COBRA, worker comp, workers' compensation insurance, unemployment insurance, um, workplace posters. You know, are you? Are, there's actually rules out there for what you have to be posting in the in the workplace, and and what, how, when, and where. Um, Family Medical Leave Act. And the other thing that I really caution you about in this area is that in the compliance area is that there's federal and then there's state, and many of the states differ um, on all of these levels. Um, some states have mandatory retirement plans, and and then there's the whole issue of undocumented workers. You know, th that list just goes on and on and on. Um, more compliance risk is in the area of taxes. Uh, gosh, you know, if you think about what all kinds of taxes we have out there, we have income taxes, we have payroll taxes, sales and use taxes, property taxes, gas, excise tax, and, and again, this list just goes on and on and on, depending on what industry you're in. Um, and again, there's taxes at the federal level and at the state level and, and local, and there's a whole gamut of international issues that go along with that as well. Um, on the quality side, you know, think about things in the pharmaceutical area, food industry, they've got the Food and Drug Administration. Manufacturers have you know, issues with warranties and, and recalls, the, the restaurant and hospitality industries, medical industries, there's all types of um, compliance out there for, for quality. Uh, you know, so if you don't have people on staff internally to, to handle some of this stuff, you know, make sure you're surrounding yourself with the best consultants and uh, folks out there that can help you know what it is you don't know. Um, you know, other things that are coming to mind are legal things. Security filing requirements if you're going out and issuing equity, uh, if you have franchise agreements, even loan covenants with your bank. You know, somebody's got to make sure that that um, that those are being monitored. Again, that bleeds over a little bit into the financial area, but it's something that has to be thought about. Um, consumer data protection. Um, don't know, you know, how many of you are aware of PCI, but that's the payment card industry data security standards. They apply to any organization. Um, that accepts, transmits, or stores any cardholder data. Uh, so again, you know, it's all about what it is that maybe we don't know that we don't know. The last category that I have here is is that other, and that that's kind of you know the kitchen sink. Um, it's a bucket to kind of catch all. But those are threats, events, other risks. Uh, in, you know, natural disasters fall in here, political transformation, uh, etc. So, you know, first off, let's talk a little bit about economic change. Think way back, not way back, actually, it's been 10 years. Think back to the financial crisis of 2008. Absolutely every organization was impacted by that crisis in some way or another. Um, some went out of business because, you know, it, it, it rocked the, the entirety of their organization. Some fared much better than others, but every organization was impacted by this in some way. So, you know, those are things that we don't always think about. Um, how about political transformation? And that can be at home or abroad. Um, gosh, you know, lately it seems like there's just a ton of uncertainty. We're having laws now passed that have retroactive features. Um, you know, here here at our firm, we are always looking at the, the tax laws 
and how they're changing. And it seems like there's just no way to plan anymore because so much of this stuff is done at the very last minute or it's made retroactive. Um, and then we just have to deal with it. How about things like natural disasters? Do you have a business continuity plan? And have you thought about all the, um, all the different types of impacts that could have out there? Uh, and then legal, just new regulations in the future. You know, how many more of those alphabet soup entities can, can we come up with that are going to put even more regulations and paperwork and compliance measures on organizations? All right. We went through a ton there. Um, and again, just to kind of get you to, to be thinking about those things. So let's take a breath and take a breather um, and look at another polling question. So at this point, I kind of want to know, you know, does your organization actually have a formal risk management program? And again, there's not a right or wrong answer here. I'm just kind of trying to figure out, um, you know, where everybody kind of sits at. There's just so many different things to have to be thinking about in that. And so to actually formalize it, um, commit some of that to paper. And maybe you have a partial one. Maybe it's not a full-blown one, but maybe you have some sort of one. So again, we, you know, the answers are coming in. It looks like um, about 80% of you have voted. So go ahead and, and do that so that we can close the poll. Um, but there's a variety of, of answers coming in. It looks like the, it's not quite a majority. Right at 50% said yes, you have some type of formalized risk management program. Um, I'm a little alarmed by the 33% of you that said no. Um, so I don't know if that means nobody's even thought about it or if if, if maybe it's not a formalized program, but you you know have considered some of the larger risks, um, and then there's a, a number of you too that are unsure, and I, I get that because if that's not your job, um, you know, but definitely going to go find out, and I I encourage you to do that. Interesting. Okay, <clears throat> so in the time that we have left, um, I want to kind of go through. Um, now that we've identified the risks in a number of categories all over the board, uh, I, I want to go through, you know, how we can look at managing that risk. So, you know, now that we've, you know, kind of gone down to the, to the pits and looked at all the bad stuff that could happen, how do we go about now pulling that together and make sure that, that we've got some management behind there? So as a reminder, we talked about this early on. Risk management is actually a cycle. So first, we're going to identify our risks. Secondly, we have to measure those risks in order to be able to prioritize them. And we've got to know, you know, there's all kinds of risks, but some are definitely more glaring. Some could put us out of business, um, uh, while others might just be, um, you know, a pain. Uh, so we want to make sure that we are able to measure those and so that we can prioritize them. Once we've got those steps done, we can actually determine how to manage them. Um, and, and a reminder, this isn't a one-time process. It has to be reassessed continually because risks change, people change, processes change. And another reminder, the idea of risk management needs to you know, permeate throughout the organization's culture because if it doesn't and we're not all aware of it, um, we're not all going to pay attention to it and, and give it the attention that it deserves. So I want to talk a little bit about risk versus reward. So the, the purpose of risk management is not to completely eliminate your risk. Rather, we want to optimize that risk-reward ratio within the bounds of your risk tolerance. Um, I have this discussion probably every day with at least one of my clients. Um, you know, so many times we receive questions from clients regarding tax compliance. In my area, I, I work with payroll and, and accounting, um, but we get, so we get questions. For example, we note something that was previously incorrectly reported or filed, and a client, so they're going to ask our opinion on what to do. Uh, for example, we recently took over a payroll client who had been incorrectly taxing certain benefit deductions through their payroll. Correcting this would involve amending numerous, numerous returns and then having to communicate to the employees the issues. And either, you know, perhaps some employees would have refunds, of, 
whereas others would need to pay additional amounts. So what are the potential costs here? So if they fixed it, there would be the cost of amending returns, there'd be the cost of employee perception, reputational risk, and employee morale, and potentially public perception, again, that reputational risk, if the word got out. If nothing's done, there's the potential cost of fines and penalties for compliance failure, and then the cost of employee perception, morale, et cetera. So it's kind of the pros and cons, or measuring the cons and cons, I guess. This organization um, actually chose to fix the issue and cover any employees who would you know, otherwise incur additional costs. They choice, chose to avoid the compliance risk by fixing the problem and to mitigate the employee perception um, by covering their costs and, you know, doing a really good job of communicating. So, you know, I'm never going to tell them what decision to make. Rather, I explain the technically correct way to do it and the risk of not doing it. And then I let the client decide uh, what to do based on their level of risk tolerance. And I, I will tell you, everybody has a different level of risk tolerance. Now, having said that, you know, internally, we have our own level of risk tolerance as service providers, and then we must decide whether or not to keep servicing an organization or individual who has an unusually high level of tolerance. Um, so I'm not saying we just, you know, let people do whatever they want, but um, that decision does lie in the organization's hands, depending on their level of risk tolerance. So let's go through some of those steps. You know, so first off, we have to identify um, which business assets or external assets um, might be damaged. So we've kind of already gone through that whole, um, all those categories, and that includes employees, customers, buildings, reputation, um, environment, et cetera. Um, and we, as we're going through that again, we have to ask the questions, all the, the W's and the 1H, you know, what can happen? Um, how can it happen? Why? When? Where? Um, how much is it going to, you know, potentially cost? Which kind of leads us then into the measurement of that. So once we've identified them, we have to measure the amount of harm that could be done to the company, to the organization, to the reputation, et cetera. You know, what's the probability that the harm is going to happen? What's the potential impact if it were to happen? you know, then what's the required time and effort needed to mitigate the risk? Is it, is, does it have to be right now or is it somewhat more minimal and we can kind of push it off? You know, then what are the financial implications of mitigating that risk? Not every, um, not every resolution is a, is a free one or a cheap one. So again, this is just kind of how I've put together a, a measurement grid because I'm very visual. So over here on the left, I have the financial impact of an event uh, with low being on the bottom and high being on the top. On the bottom uh, of our chart, you know, what's the likelihood of that happening? Is it a low likelihood or is it a high likelihood? You know, so if we can kind of, there's um, a risk that we found into this chart. What I think is the ones that need to be addressed sooner than later, is in that upper right quadrant. And maybe kind of bleeding um, over there to uh, where I've got that blue arc line. Um, but we really want to look at those risks that have a high dollar impact if they happen, and there's a high likelihood of it happening. We don't want to pay and spend our attention on those in the lower left quadrant until we get all those others taken care of. You know, if it's a low dollar impact and it's probably not going to happen anyway, that's not where we need to be spending our time. So again, just kind of a visual way to kind of look at that. So up front, I talked about four primary ways to manage the risks that we come up with. Um, and I'm going to go through those a little bit more in detail now. The first one is avoidance. So, you know, either we eliminate or we withdraw from that. You know, the easiest way to manage some risk is to avoid it altogether, just, you know, uh, not, not even go there. It's not always possible or plausible to do that. So, um, 
you know, what do I mean by that? So if we're talking about a business strategy, for example, a bank considers expanding its products to include financial derivatives. After completing a business plan, the bank determines that the plan is too risky, and so they decide not to pursue the strategy. They avoid it. They eliminate it. They, they withdraw from that practice. Um, another example, an investment advisor recommends a stock to a client, and then, you know, that client goes out and reads the company's most recent financial report, and they find it's a very complex business with difficult-to-understand risk factors, and so they, they weigh that decision, and they decide against making the investment. Um, another example, a company shuts down a construction site during bad weather. Uh, because they want to avoid the risk that somebody's going to get hurt. So again, they they don't um, avoid it entirely, you know, but they avoid it for that specific situation. Another example would be if a retailer discontinues collection of person personal data as such as um, the customers' ages and telephone numbers, because they want to avoid the risk that such data would be stolen um, if there was in fact a breach. Just some examples there. So the next one is uh, maybe we could reduce the risk. So instead of pulling out totally, um, organizations choose to lessen the impact of a specific known risk when, when we can't totally avoid them. The word mitigate means to make less severe, serious, or less painful. Uh, so you know, having backups of critical data in multiple secure physical locations um, doesn't mean that you know, the, our system might not go down, but if it does, we can make it less painful by, you know, being able to um, get that backup data easier. Uh, safety training for employees. That's, you know, we can't, there's no way we can, you know, say that somebody's not going to slip and fall on the plant floor, but if we give them training, safe, uh, safety training, um, you know, maybe we can reduce that. Um, making sure routine maintenance is actually done and performed so that we lessen the risk of, of accidents or the machine breaking at an inopportune time. Um, maybe we design processes and procedures for quality control or, you know, having a process in place to uh, proof uh, mistakes before a product or service goes out the door. The third thing we can look at is we can transfer that risk. So we can either outsource it. A lot of times this is considered to be insuring that risk. So this is where an organization would contractually pay someone else to carry that risk. Um, as an example, uh, an insurance company or a business partner. You know, personally, most of us carry insurance for our cars, our home, our health. So similarly, organizations can carry liability and property insurance errors and emissions uh, insurance, as well as mandated workers' compensation unemployment insurance. There's also uh, insurance available for many other risks that are out there. Um, additionally, projects and services can be outsourced. For example, in the manufacturing world, outsourcing the manufacturing of a component to a third party might reduce the liability risk for you know, the organization who was originally doing it. The last technique is retention. Uh, this is basically where we've just got to accept it and we budget for it. There's not a whole lot we can do. Um, this is when a risk falls within your risk reward tolerance acceptance level. So again, um, you know, we, we don't want to park a, a big financial potential loss there with, you know, it's more, more likely than not to happen. Um, we don't just want to accept for that. You know, so in general, it's impossible to make gains without taking some risk. And so accordingly, some risk acceptance is, is actually a, an okay management technique. So again, think about the insurance business. Their entire business is based around assuming risks for a fee, of course. Um, another example would be the manufacturing industry. Many products come with a warranty. You know, um, and, and companies just go ahead and accept that and they, they budget for what they think it is. Now, they can also mitigate it um, to put policies and procedures in place to, you know, help mistakes from going out the door. Um, so th that's an example. You can actually choose different techniques for different risks. And in some cases, like that one, you can choose to use multiple techniques for a single risk. Uh, another example of using multiple 
uh, risk management techniques would be um, organizations that have a self-funded health insurance plan. The organization decides what level of risk costs they're willing to accept, and then they employ a stop-loss insurance plan on top of that to cover the risks that they're not willing to accept. So another visual grid, again, because I think visually, but you know, over here on the left, what's the time and effort to manage that risk, and what's the cost to manage that risk? So we kind of want to plot that out um, as well. You know, and, and using those two techniques together in that uh, high impact, high likelihood of happening um, is going to help us to, to go through and manage that. So um, to kind of encapsulate, and then I'm going to actually show you a, a, just a real simple tool that I've got. Um, you know, we want to identify our options for managing. Is it avoiding, reduction? Do we want to transfer it, outsource it? Or do we want to accept and budget for it um, through retention? Then we're going to select the best response that we think for that individual risk. We're going to develop action plans, including specifics and timelines. We're going to implement that action plan by assigning it to a project champion and hold, hold them accounting accountable. And um, you know, the end piece is that we're always going to reevaluate um, through that risk. So the last piece that I have here is um, there, there's many manage, risk management assessment tools out there. Um, there's entire um, software programs out there that, that can do it, or you can do it on a you know, piece of paper, depending where you're at. Uh, there's, there's organizations that have an entire uh, team dedicated to just overseeing the risk management. But I, I've really taken this down to a very simplistic um, format. Again, this is this is basically just an Excel spreadsheet. Um, but the first column there, we've actually listed out some of the risks that we found. Now, there's, there's I can guarantee you there's more than five uh, risks in any organization. Um, but again, I'm trying to do this for simplicity purposes. Um, so we've got risks like employee injuries, HR compliance, internal fraud, loss of a key, a key employee or an owner, and then that um, ugly IT ransomware. So if we look at the columns going across the top, we identify the risk, we identify what is currently been being done to help manage that risk. Um, employee injuries, we've got work comp out there, and maybe we have more than one thing going on there. But if we look at the IT ransomware, in this example, there's no current management of that risk. Um, might have a column there for some comments. And then the next three columns, um, or, or what I've been talking about in measuring it. So down at the very bottom, you'll see that I've got a, a score chart down there. So if I'm looking at the dollar impact um, on a scale of one to five, or you can do one to 10 or one to you know 100, whatever it might be, um, but we score that with, with a low score being insignificant and a high score being it could be catastrophic to our, to our organization. And then the likelihood of it happening same type of thing. A very low score of one means it's nearly unlikely to happen versus the high score of five, meaning there's a high probability. Again, it's putting, it's kind of plotting those on that graph that I was showing earlier. Then we multiply those by each other to get our risk score. So in this example, employee injuries could have a huge, depending on the organization, but could have a huge dollar impact. And, you know, in the manufacturing world, at least it's highly likely that it's going to happen. So that gives us, you know, the, the maximum risk score that we could have out there. Once we've been able to measure our risks, that's when we're able to kind of plot them on that graph and see which ones do we need to um, identify and, and work with first. And so I've got these just in uh, numerical order by their risk score. So the first one we're going to focus on is, is the employee injuries. So what are the steps needed to, to take care of that? We need to design a training program. Are there processes we need to put in place? You know, um, we need to look at what the cost is going to be. Then importantly, we have to assign somebody to be accountable for that, and we have to give them goals. So you know, this is what a lot of the assessment software out there will do for you as well. And then somebody has to be the overall project manager to make sure that these individuals and the responsible parties are, are being accountable for, for what they are doing. 
So hopefully that gives you some idea of, you know, how, how we take that kind of from beginning to end. So as we wrap up here, got our fourth um, polling question here and um, just asking again, trying to get a feel for what manage, which risk management techniques do are employed by your organization. Um, avoidance, reduction, transfer, retention. And I think this is a multiple choice question, meaning that the multiple mark, meaning that you can pick all four of them if you guys are doing that. So my statistics when, when this comes out are going to be all over the board, but, um, or are you unsure of what's going on there? So it looks like uh, most of you are getting in there on that voting poll. And I'll give you a couple more seconds here before we actually close that out. Sorry if I'm confusing you by the multiple mark piece, but hey, you know, had to throw in something um, uh, uh, challenging for you. So, um, okay, the results should be up there. So again, these percentages, you know, 35% of you said that your organization uses avoidance, 61%. So the, the biggest um, technique used is reduction and transfer. Um, and, and retention and avoidance are right in there as well. Uh, again, there's there's a number of you that are unsure as to what your organization is using. So, you know, maybe this gives you some good questions to go and ask. So quick recap here. Uh, it, it's been, today's webinar has been fairly general in identifying managing risk at the organizational level. But um, so I want to give you a reminder that through AGH University, we've, presented numerous webinars in more detail, concentrating on specific areas. Um, these are available in archive formats. Uh, so once you're there, uh, aghuniversity.com, you can click on on-demand webinars, and um, then you can select risk management topic or any other topic of interest. And, you know, there's other topics out there, too, that deal with risk, um, whether it be in the accounting and finance area, comp and benefits, information technology, um, organizational development, et cetera. Here's a couple of examples. Uh, Brian Johnson leads our technology services group and um, not too long ago, he did a webinar on cybersecurity. Uh, it was a review of the most dangerous and prevalent cyber threats and practical advice for defending against those. Um, Brian also uh, plays an integral, integral role in consulting clients in this area of risk management. Um, so he's got one out there as well about information risk. Uh, this kind of goes into information security. This is geared more toward business leaders and that top line of management. Um, we've got a human resource one out there. This, you know, what are the top five human capital risks? What to do about them? This was done by Carrie Cox who is a senior organizational development consultant here at AGH. Uh, there's, there's several on fraud and internal controls. Uh, there's uh, conducting a compensation review. There's some things specifically for not-for-profit, not uh, several on retirement plan risks if you're in that area. Um, and then we've got a few webinars coming up here at the end of the year if you're in the payroll compliance area, their compliance um, working for... Don't forget, you can't eliminate all risk, but you can manage it. And again, um, if we identify, measure, and prioritize, then we can determine how to manage those. And finally, as I'm, I'm uh, right up against my hour here, uh, risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. Um, I think we all feel that some way, some days, and that's a quote from Warren Buffett. Um, at this point, I'm going to turn it back over for Mike for just some ending comments here. So, Cindy, we had two questions come in while you're presenting. Um, the first one was, who should be responsible for risk management in an organization? I, I'm sorry, Mike. Can you can you repeat that? I. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Who should be responsible for risk management in an organization? Okay. Um, I had the little uh, lady telling me I was being unmuted oh, in my ear when you asked that, so I apologize. Well. <clears throat> who should be responsible for risk management in an organization? So that's a great question. And as I mentioned earlier, risk management has to be embedded, uh, you know, throughout a culture. And that is, includes starting with a belief at the very, very top. 
So in large organizations, um, there's actually positions dedicated specifically to this cause. But in smaller organizations, it usually falls to someone with other responsibilities. So there's not really any specific position that's best suited for this. um, I'd call it a project champion. Um, As long, but that person just needs to have the accountability to someone with some government governance responsibilities. So you know, the owner can come in and say. Um, I think this is the very best person to do it, and um, you know, as long as as long as they've got um, some authority to to make that happen. Now, you know, that they can definitely delegate the various areas down, but um, again, if there's no accountability, there is not going to be any progress. So, not a specific person, uh, but just somebody that you know has the authority to be able to make some things happen. All right. The other question that came in is, we're such a small organization and already overloaded. Um, can we outsource this? Ah, again, a good question. So we talked about outsourcing some of the management of the risk, but I think that what this question is saying is, you know, can we actually outsource this process of determining what our risks are? Um, so certainly there's, there's consultants out there all over the place like AGH that can come in and walk you through the process. However, and this is a big however, only you and those inside your organization have the full understanding of how things work within your organization. So it's still going to take some time and effort on your part. Um, And I get it. Everybody's busy, and especially in smaller organizations, it seems like everybody's wearing multiple hats. But in essence, you're outsourcing the champion piece of this. Um, That champion is going to delegate some things back. So again, even an outsourced scenario can't be successful without that dedication from the very top and throughout the organization. So yeah, there's 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 places where you can actually outsource that process, um, but they're going to need a lot of input from you. Okay, I don't see any other questions that came in, so I think with that we'll call it a great uh, call it a day. Again, run to aghuniversity.com. Cindy's going to be busy over the next few weeks hosting some year-end webinars in the payroll and HR realm. So if you'd like to sign up for those, you can do so at aghuniversity.com. And I think with that, we'll wish everybody a great day. Thanks. Thank you.